Welcome to the Courage Meant to Go podcast, where we share good news, great laughs, and real life stories to encourage you as you face life today. And so much more. Well, welcome to Courage Meant to Go episode 14 already, which is crazy. I am joined today by a good friend, Kelly Kakamo. And you pronounced that right. I did? <laughs> yes, you did. Wow. I was going to... Just, I'll ask you to spell it later. Um, I don't know how to spell it. I'll have to be honest with you. Um, but when... I don't even remember when I would have met you. Um, I babysat you. You really did. I really did. Um, because I was good friends with Lori, which was your cousin, and when you were younger. But... Um, as far as this second phase of our journey, um, what have you, I would have probably um, been around you after I met Chad and Brandy Schwering. So, yeah, and good mutual friends, and um, we'll talk later about what that looks like, is how we all need each other. Um, but you've listened to the podcast with Miss Betty, and uh, she's kind of a mutual friend in some areas too. I can't wait to meet Miss Betty. Yeah, you've never met her. I've never met her. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah I, that, I actually, I, I really look forward to meeting her. She's an amazing woman. Yeah, and... and I say amazing, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, <laughs> right, and that's what... Okay, so that's why I, I looked to people, and I look up to people who they, they defy what the world says they should do, and they put what they have to do to, to go ahead and keep on moving forward. Uh, Miss Betty was one of those uh, for sure, and... Um, you're one of those people in my life that I look at, I'm like, all right, um, how, how does she do it? How do we do it? And, um, what in the world is going on with this lady? And you know what? I often say, I don't do it. We do it. Right. And so I did a wedding the other day and they had the, the three chords. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's so underestimated God's part in everything. Um, we may say he's a part of this, quote, unquote, um, but is he leading it and dragging us along, or how in the world is God doing it? And with you, I want you to, I guess, give a, a brief past um, um, with your husband, with your kids, and w- their ages, and some, some things about them today. So. Okay. All right. Um, I think to understand um, where I come from, we have to go back to... Um, a little bit of the beginning. Um, I grew up in Osgoode, Indiana. Um, that's when I babysat for you. Yeah. Um, and then I moved to the big city of Indianapolis. And so there is where I met my husband. Um, he was um, from Fort Wayne, and I was from Osgoode, so it's kind of like the met in the middle type song. Um, he wanted to go to school to be a doctor, but he wanted kids more, so he chose physician assistant which led us out to Des Moines, Iowa. So basically, I've been away from this area where my mom and dad and sisters and brothers live for probably 20-plus years um, until I moved back in 2014. I don't think you're that old. I am that old. Oh, wow. I know. Okay. You, I'll let you do the math later. <laughs> um, basically, um, in 2003, I married my husband. Um, we moved to Des Moines. Um, he went to school. I worked. You know, we got married. Um, we wanted kids, just the white picket fence, the whole story. Um, which we were able to do. Um, we did. I, I thought we were doing everything right. 
you know, of course. And, and, and I'm not saying that we didn't. We did right. do everything right. Um, we got married. He wanted six kids <laughs> or more, six plus kids. Wow. I always said I wanted four because I grew up in a household of three kids, and I didn't like the odd numbers. So, and I ended up with an odd number because we ended up having five, and I have five awesome, amazing children. Um, so in 2003, we went to school in Des Moines, Iowa, and then we moved um, to Illinois in 2006 where he worked as a physician assistant. So that leads me to our it, I guess is what I like to call it because everyone has an it or a story. Yeah. Ty, um, like we always said before, after, you know, we say before Christ, after Christ. Um, we say before cancer, after cancer, because that was our it, was cancer. Um, in 2012, Joe was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I had five kids at the time. They were aged, this is what's amazing to, you know, for me to think back on. Um, they were six, five, four, two, and six months when my husband was diagnosed with cancer. So it was crazy, to say the least. But um, we were loving every minute of it. Yeah. Um, like you said, having little ones run around. Um, you know, Joe and I were crazy. Marriage is hard, as we all know. Um, <laughs> with five kids under seven as well. Right, yeah. right. But he changed as many diapers as I did. So um, we were pretty, we were a good team. And um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And then um, this is the hardest part to say right. out loud is um, 17 months later, he passed away. Mm. August 14th, 2013. Um, my kids were 17 months older. So they would have been eight, seven, six. Did I do the math right? Or four. Three. Yeah, I don't know. And they were young, too. Yeah. very, very young um, when he passed away. And putting this in perspective, I was in Illinois, okay? Wow. So, um, you know, my family was all here. Uh, my mom had graciously came and stayed with us um, for while we went through the cancer journey because um, we needed lots of help. Right. And I tell you what, I had the most amazing neighborhood in Illinois. I have to say kudos to all the folks in the Quad Cities and Coin Center they took such amazing care of my family when, you know, they were just friends. And, How and long did you live strangers. there? So, I mean, these are pretty new people that you met. Well, not necessarily because okay. we moved there in 2006 and Joe was diagnosed in 2012. So okay, we had so lived had there for good, six years. a good yeah. foundation there. Yeah, okay. and I think most of your community comes when your kids start school too. You I'm know, find this out. Right. Yeah. You become families with, you know, mutual friends and different things like that. Not necessarily, but um, we had actually become friends with our, I have an Illinois Brandy and an Indiana Brandy. Okay. <laughs> I have two friends that are both named Brandy, and I often get the, get them mixed up in text and stuff, so nobody knows what I'm talking <laughs> about. Crazy is the part right. that um, goes along with my name, Crazy Kelly. Um, so, basically, um, my life was turned upside down. I mean, we went to church, you know. I think... Um, the most encouragement, I don't know how to say this, um, except to say this. God is amazing. Yeah. And um, the hardest part is to listen, especially when you're, um, I think we've all said that, right? Yeah, two ears, one mouth deal. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, but I remember after he passed away, and I think this is the most, the most, um, direct Holy Spirit contact I have had in my life wow. um, came from my six-year-old child. Um, Joe had passed away, and we were struggling. I mean, you know, right. Uh, obviously, we had five kids, and 
nobody understands the why. You yeah. know, you're always constantly asking yourself why we did everything correct. You know, mm-hmm. we thought we were doing everything correct. We we prayed. We we took our kids to church. You know, mm-hmm. um, we thought we had the yeah, exactly what you wanted and what right. you're supposed to do. We were online. Right. The American dream. And, yeah. and you think, I think as Christians, we often think um, sometimes life is going to be easy. And we have to have an excuse or explain everything. We have to. Like, right. as, as humans, we do that. Right, exactly. And then exactly. we think Christians, when you become a Christian, you, then you get those answers. Right. No. No. Not no, you don't get the answers. Exactly. Um, but my, um, I was having a really just, you know, struggling. We were sad one night. Nights are always the hardest. And um, my little son crawled up into my lap and he said, um, we were just crying together. Um, I obviously didn't have very eloquent words at the time, but um, he said, why did God choose daddy? And I'll never forget that statement. It was, I I said, I mean, and I, I think this is what I tell my kids all the time is, I don't know. Right. I mean, I think that's the most the best thing we can do for our children is to tell them we don't know. Right. I mean, when you tell you... Be your, real about it. Right, exactly. Be real about it. I don't know. But I said, we're going to do everything we can here on earth to make sure we make it to heaven. Yeah. And I think that... And we're going to tell everybody about Jesus because we want to all be together in his glory land. And, um, you know, we had we had done the prayers. Like, you know, cure daddy's cancer. I was the cheerleader. You know, we were going to do great things with this cancer. We were going to be the you know, family that, oh, look at them, you know, (laughs) type thing. He was a physician assistant. He was in the medical field, you know. Um, But, um, and then my little son, we were just, and he looked at me and he said, you know what, Mom? And I think as Christians, we've all heard this. He said, "Um, God did cure Daddy. He doesn't have cancer anymore. And he's not in pain. And I think that was the most um, moving moment of my um Recovery, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if you call it recovery because I don't know that you ever recover it. A very moving moment. Of the new journey. Of the journey, of this journey, because um, he was right. You know, um, Joe had, you know, sometimes this world's not easy. Yeah. I mean, I think we all know that. Um, but God never promised us that it'd be easy, you know. But we all should be working for the glory land. Just a quick side note. And we'll talk about what other people say here in a minute. And we'll talk about what they people expect even from pastors. Because even oh. though you can't explain something, a pastor should be able to. Right. Um, no. They should be able to explain what God does and why he didn't or did heal in his ways. And, and I'll tell you something. If you have a pastor that's telling you that they know, then I wouldn't be going <laughs> to that church. That's not going to be my pastor anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, you want that. Um, they – we talk – We've heard the story, some of you, if you're not. Uh, what happens is Jesus is on, is on a boat sleeping in the middle of a storm. Mm-hmm. And I heard this the other day, and it spoke to me, and it speaks to everything you're talking about, is why it wasn't that Jesus, they had to wake Jesus up and say, Jesus, what in the world are you doing sleeping? There's a huge storm out here, and Jesus calms the storm. He said that what Christians struggle with or people in general, is they never think that because Jesus is on their boat that they should be in a storm. Mm. They think that Jesus shouldn't have to calm the storm because wherever Jesus is, there is no storm. And I think, to be honest, I was one of them. Yeah. I was probably one of those um, 
I, I hate to say one of those Christians or, you know, one of those people that thought, you know, Jesus is in my boat. Right. I mean, I got nothing to worry about. I got nothing to worry about, you know, um, crazy life, but you know what? We've got this. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and right. When I imagine me waking up Jesus and being frustrated, cause I don't think they woke up Jesus like, Oh, hey, Jesus, just to <laughs> let you know, there's a little storm outside. I know you can't feel the rocking because there's 20-foot waves and we're in this little boat. But if you'd like to do something about it, that would be great. Um, you know, they were. we forget that these people are humans. We forget that they struggle. I mean, I imagine, first of all, who's going to wake Jesus up and tell him? Oh, I like, love that. That right? is so good. Who's going to wake up and say, hey, Jesus, there's a storm outside. It would really be nice if you could go ahead and calm that for us because we're struggling <laughs> up here while you're sleeping like right. seriously jesus like how are you sleeping right well you know that leads me into my next thing or i mean I'm, yeah. i can talk a lot i apologize but um when i i went to a christian counselor at my church we had a um it wasn't a church counselor but it was someone that had an office inside our our church building at the time um and oh i i Man, I wish I could remember her name because I often want to write her and tell her what an impact she had on my life. Um, I went and saw her probably just six times or whatever. She was just a neutral party. And um, she actually was a major part of my recovery because I remember telling her, I'm mad. Right. I mean, why did God choose us? You know, why was he sleeping in the boat? Right. You know, hey, Jesus, we did everything we thought we were supposed to the right way. Why am I going through this? And... Um, she told me, she said, you know what? If you had to be angry at one person, who would that one person you want to be? And I said, well, I shouldn't be mad at Jesus. I mean, I shouldn't be mad or upset, you know, that he's put me through this. And she right. said, but his love's unconditional. Mm-hmm. And how many times, I mean, in my maturity as a Christian, I think that's um, kind of how I like to describe it. You, you say I'm not old, but I am. And so um, as I become more of a mature Christian, I guess, and, um, you know, more life experiences, I realize that it's a parental father figure, and we don't put enough emphasis on that as Christians. Right. I mean, my kids want five pancakes for dinner and three pops, you know, with syrup pulled all over them, you know, poured all over them, you know. But as a parent, I have to say no. That's not good for you. Is it okay that they get mad when you say no? Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I think her, you know, the, the defining moment for me was that she said, it's okay to not like your situation right. as long as you love God. And, and you know, I never, the, the one thing that I, I can, um, I, I had a strong foundation. Okay. So, you know, I, I had been saved, and, you know, my rock was Jesus, and I knew that there was eternal life. So that really didn't waver, you know, as far as my faith was concerned. I just couldn't grasp why, and it made me angry because, like you said, he's in my boat. Right. So why am I having to go through this? And and you know what? I think, for me, I could have gotten through it. I think it's the, the kids that you, right. you know, worry about. Yeah, and it is extremely tough. And when something happens, and this is this is a part where I think you could help me and many others. We want to first of all, now that we have phones, 
we don't call people. <laughs> right. Google. We will, we will now text people. <laughs> oh, sorry that this happened. I'll pray for you. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so we're into that generation. So before I do that, I kind of made a rule with myself. I'm either praying right then or I'm calling them to pray or I'm never telling someone I'm praying for them unless I am pretty fervently praying for them. Um, I, I, you know what? That's funny. I, I've become the same way because I used to say, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And then I would forget or life would happen. And so, yeah, I think it's very important to do it immediately. Um, and Right. And, and so we don't know what to say. And that's not anybody's fault. Um, right. If something happens to Caitlin tomorrow or my kids, you're going to have a hard time texting on what to say to me, too, even yes. though you've been through so much. So yes. know that nobody's perfect here. But... Oftentimes we fall into a, a trap of saying the wrong things without meaning to. Right. Is there some things that maybe um, every situation is different, but maybe could help people? Like, what do you say or what do you do? Or is it better? Like, what is your <laughs> advice what after going through a really hard time? Yes. What helped your quote unquote recovery and what was like, ugh. I'm sorry for your loss is actually a good thing. Okay. And I, 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 meant, I, I say that because if you don't say anything to me, then it was even more offensive than if you said something to me, that type of thing. So we had the I'm sorry um, conversation. Like, you know, I would be on the phone with somebody, you know, just a complete stranger. And if they didn't say I was sorry for your loss, they automatically ticked me off. <laughs> Okay. I'll tell you that. Just because I think that's kind of like an etiquette thing. It's kind of like a thank you and a please and thank you. So I don't, um, the one thing that I think is good for people to say is I'm sorry for your loss. I really do. Now, I'll expand on that a little bit because um, as Christians, we tend to go back to what you said with Jesus is in my boat, you know, I'm going to give her all the scripture and make sure Jesus is in her boat and he hasn't fallen off, yeah. for lack of better analogy. Or she hasn't thrown him off. I haven't thrown him <laughs> off. Exactly, exactly. And, and I very well could have. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't mean that. Right. Yes. I don't mean that the way it sounded. Right. But, um, you know, it would have been understandable when somebody throws Jesus off the boat, to be honest, because it is a very difficult time, especially in the um, – you, you just don't understand why you're going through this. Um, the one thing that I would say is, you know, people wanted to throw scripture at me all the time. Here I am trying to deal with accepting why this is happening to me and why Jesus isn't doing anything. And then you're going to throw these scriptures at me, um, you know, and, oh, it, um, Joe's watching over you. And, you know, you've got big things. There's big things planned for your life. That's a lot of pressure to put on a, a grieving family. Right. If, I, if it wasn't enough already. Right, right. Um, like, or, or just so you know, um, God is always thinking about the good for people, for those who love him. Or, you know, like in a situation, and again, everybody means well. And it, yes. it's not their fault. Um, right. It's not my fault when I'm, I know I'm going to say right. the wrong thing right. to people. But you know what? You don't remember. I mean, right. for me... It had to be a really bad thing. I don't even think I can remember anybody saying the wrong thing. You've got so much going on in your own life that the words that people are saying to you don't necessarily, you don't hear them. You know what I'm saying? Like, You're, you're numb. You're numb. Right, yeah. right. So when you don't say anything, though, we do remember that. <laughs> right. Well, 
And so maybe not words, but actions. So you, maybe you remember that someone brought over banana nut bread or exactly. something that... Exactly. We were inundated with food. Um, I will uh, tell you that. Um, but I will go back to the one thing, I mean, that I can say is I think everybody needs to tell that person it stinks. And everybody comes within the first week or two. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're good. inundated in the first two weeks. Grief doesn't end after two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so you ask me, you know, I say the wrong things, right? And sometimes what I do is I tend to always want to wait because I feel like I got this big insightful advice for people and I don't. Um, and I tend to wait, but then I end up waiting too long. I have a friend right now I really um, struggle with because I apologize, I haven't reached out to her. She um, lost her spouse a, a few weeks ago. And, but I also know that it's a journey. And it doesn't matter if I call her the day after or the week after or the month after. Um, I have another individual, a friend of a friend's. You know, once you, once you become this person, I do have people that will be like, oh, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? And um, I have another family that's just reached out to me, and they're six months into their journey. And, you know, sister thinks, well, why are they still struggling? Well, it's not just a six-month journey. I, Joe's been gone for seven years, and I still reach out to my sister, and we still struggle and, right. you know, different things like that. So I think that's the key and goes back to the biblical thing is take care of the widow. I don't know that it means, you know, it doesn't clearly define. Right. It doesn't say cook them food or right. say take, them, take their kids to practice or whatever. Right. I will tell you that helps. Yeah. Well, in case you're wondering out there, if, if yeah. somebody has kids uh, taking their Take help. the kids. I, I, I think that was the biggest blessing that I had um, during my grief journey is when a friend would just pick up my kids and take them somewhere because you're trying to process everything. And as we know, when I mean, just even in a normal day, kids are a lot. Well, e even in this six, seven years later, for someone that you trust, obviously, right, right, to take your kids. So, because you still need that time, exactly, uh, with your number one relationship, and that's why. So, I shared the verse in, in my sermon about Jesus says, "If you want to follow me, you must hate your mother, your brother, your spouse, your." And what Ooh. another version says is you hate them in comparison to Jesus. Yes. And that's a good one. You've not only, you've had to experience, you've had to see how real your love for Jesus first is. Yes. Um, yes. And if it wasn't, it's definitely grown if it wasn't there. Exactly. In the first place. It's definitely matured. And, um, oh, it, I think, you know, we were talking about this before and after um, thing. I, I think before grief and after grief. I think the, the thing is, is after grief, um, after you get past the initial shock and numbness and different things like that, um, you tend to slow down a little bit. I still don't think I've slowed down enough because I always said, oh, I was going to be better at this or I was going to hug my kids more. Trust me. You know, I mean, I try to hug my kids more, but I'm just a normal person like everybody else right, right now. Um, you don't want to take those things for granted. Uh, but yet we do. And I lost my train of thought. I had a really good thought about that. And it was um, that we think we're going to do more for – where were we going? Sorry. Maybe for – for Jesus, I mean, him being your first love. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah. okay. So, you know, 
you said, you know, even seven years later, I still have to work on that relationship with Jesus. I still need to slow myself down. I do put more slowness in my life. Um, and when it got really fast, I, when I got caught up in the peer pressure and I felt like we were losing our focus, um, you, you often, you mentioned before that you were talking about my RV trip. Yeah. That was really my eye opening experience. Well, go for it. Go for it. it. (laughs) Well, Joe had been gone for five years and we were getting into the peer pressure for lack of better words. I mean, we were running here and there and, um, you know, I had purchased my parents' house. We needed to do a, a remodel just because it had been, you know, 40 years or whatever, a materialistic thing, I know. And the kids were going to soccer practice, and we were busy piano practice. Every Monday through Friday, we, we just were running, 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 running. And school was taking, I mean, they would go to school eight hours. They'd come home. We'd eat dinner. We'd do homework. And it was, it was just a whirlwind. And I said, whoa. You know, five years later into the mix, I said, whoa, this isn't what it's about. And um, fortunately, I had the, uh, the ability. Um, I am blessed in that capacity because I know a, a lot of single parents work. And so, um, but I do also know that there's a lot of families out there that do virtual work. I met a lot of them on the road and really admire them. So I decided that, hey, we need a wake-up call. This family isn't going in the direction I want it to go or Joe would want to go. I, right. I still, you know, uh, I'll go back to this because, yeah. you know, a grieving child will tell a parent because they're very resilient. I will tell you, kids, we always worry about the kids. I worried about my kids. Like, how are they going to grow up? How are they going to do this? But um, God is amazing, and you find that out, is that he made them that way. You know, have faith like a child. They have the faith. They're resilient, and they're selfish. They hate everybody else, but if they have salvation, they love Jesus. So I think that goes back to your analogy, have faith like a child. You know, a, a child might not like what their parent is doing or what their sibling is doing or something like that. But if they've been saved, they still love Jesus. And that's their number one. And eventually they'll love all those other people. Right, it's exactly. M- it's more oh, than yeah, 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 yeah. I don't mean it like that. But, yes, but going back to what you were right. saying before. So we basically, um, we had camped since my, Joe and I, we called it our lake house, but it was really just a camper on a lake. <laughs> And right. But it was our lake house and we would go there on the weekends because, again, we were so determined to raise our kids in a society that wasn't busy. You know, we valued family values and church and, you know, just all those things that in God that made us a family. I think we miss those foundations. We worry about our kids soccer career and their piano career or their academic career or their, you know, what they're going to be when they grow up instead of worrying about their spiritual life. Right. You know, the thing that matters the most, we're not teaching them very well. No, we're more worried about getting them to piano practice than we are getting them to church. And I think that's the scariest part about society today um, is that we're putting more emphasis on everything else. Getting them on the honor roll more than God's role. And that's where I was. I was falling into that trap. And that's why. um, So I had always camped. okay, Um, but I'll be honest, I had never driven a camper. (laughs) Okay, before you go into this adventure. Do you have like a, all right, clan, team meeting? Yes. Let's talk about this. Yes. Yes. We have family meetings. Do you have votes? Do their, does their vote matter in your no. world? <laughs> no. Um, but do we discuss it? Yes. yes. Um, do I take it into account? Yes. Um, am I a dictator? I don't think so. I think it's more authoritative. Your Isn't mom. That what they you say? Do what you your mom. 
Um, I, a friend of mine always said, boss. I, bo- I said, boss lady. It goes, well, wait, I am the boss. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I am the boss. Um, but, yeah, we did have a family meeting, and the kids were excited. I mean, we had always loved camping, so that was never an issue as far as what they were concerned. But I tell you what, oh, my kids are awesome. Wow. I mean, we, um, wow. So they were excited. We were all excited. Got in this camper. What is it? It's a 32-foot Class C for, right? Yeah, Class Class C. C. I have to think about that for a minute. Um, You know, for all of you that are wondering out there what it looks like, um, I had never, I I kid you not, I had never driven a trailer. Never. We had our stationary. We never had anything where we could haul a camper. I never hauled a trailer. I never hauled anything. So that was definitely, and I remember thinking, this is crazy. But I tell you what, the God tug on my heart that this was the right thing to do um, was overpowering when we listen. Mm. And I think that's the key is that we have to listen. And it's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. And we got in this RV, and I tell you what, there were t- days when I would question why, you know. I remember there were days when I, it was like a costly day, like, you know, the right. air conditioner went out or something like that. And I tell you what, we were in, <laughs> I'll never forget this, we were in Alabama. We were at, it was, um, I had taken my kids to a veteran's service, it was Veterans Day. And they had had a lunch afterwards, and of course, you know, my brother's a veteran, but we don't have any, you know, immediate ties. ties to um, the armed services, but we're grateful for everything yeah. that they do for us. Amen. And so we respected them and, and went to the service and different things like that. And they invited us to lunch because you walk into a room, uh, I'll just tell you right now, you walk into a room with five kids, you're automatically, they <laughs> automatically see you. you. You said the same thing on Sunday, you know, of course it's when the new person with five kids walks right. in. We don't walk in quietly anywhere. <laughs> right. You're like, what is it about this person? Why do they have five kids? Right, And they're right. by themselves. And, right, yeah. exactly. And where's dad? You know, that's a big yeah. question, too. So um, so we were at this, and I remember struggling because um, I didn't know if we were going to have the finances that month, you know, or different things like that. And this, this stranger, complete stranger, was um, we were eating lunch together. And so, you know, I kind of told him our story that, you know, I was a widow and I just kind of needed a reset with my family to make sure we were on the right. He handed me a $100 bill. I kid you not. And, you know, I can tell you story after story where God provides, too. That's a whole nother. Um, okay, maybe another podcast. Right. We'll there you go. There that. you go. Yeah. God does provide for you financially when you trust him. So, you know, or asking, you know, right. just even little signs that you're on the right track and different things like that. So um, the RV trip was the best time of our lives. I took the kids out of public school. We homeschooled them. I homeschooled them in the road school way. How's that? Road, road school. Yeah. <laughs> we road schooled them. We um, road schooled them for nine months. Um, they loved it. I will tell you that um, we were ready to come home when we came home. Um, what that looked like, I don't know. Do I want to go back? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've often said I would love to do it in the summers, you know, when the kids are out of school and different things like that. You said so nine months? We did it for nine months. Wow. Yeah. And you hit... Most states inland? Yeah. Or? Well, the, the goal was we were going to go south and then come back up the east coast. Okay. Um, we had some troubles. We, we went to Tennessee, um, and then it got cold. We left a little too late. So we spent a lot of time in Alabama. I love Alabama, to be honest. Okay. It's a really cool state. Um, we went all the way through Alabama on the way down. 
and then we went through Florida. We um, and all the way down to Key West. That was one of my goals. Is oh wow! I wanted to get to the southern part of the nation and the northern part of the nation. And I say this, you know, so often we say, oh, we want our kids to experience this, or we want our kids to to go to different places. You know what? Chances are your kids aren't going to remember it anyway. Yeah. I did it for me. I'll be honest. So when it, when people say I want our kids, that's really a secret term of. I want <laughs> yes, this, exactly. but quote unquote for the kids. Right. If you say it's for the kids, then it sounds everybody less wants you to do right. it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Never thought about that before. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you know, looking, I think the most the best parenting advice I got one time is when someone told me to look back on my childhood. Hmm. Look back on your childhood because the guilt of Pinterest moms and society and everything out there, like what your life is supposed to look like. And you're like, oh, great. You know, I, I didn't carve pumpkins with my kids this year. We never got time or, you know, right. I was too lazy or something like that. You know what? That's not what matters at the end of the day. Oh, now I'm getting excited. So <laughs> looking where we're sitting in your kitchen, um, I look out at the pool out here. Mm-hmm. And this pool behind your house was the first pool I ever swam in. Was it really? Labor Day weekend, I bet, with our quote unquote that I remember okay that I ever swam in but you know what I I don't even remember because this was back 1990 ish so yes and it was because we were at a croquet tournament at Art Cummers and we had the kids tournament in your backyard yes and so but you know what I even though you had the new pool and that was like Wow, you guys were right. the rich and famous. Oh just yeah, for the oh yeah, we were right. Yeah, and so and dead up to our eyeballs. And they said, "Hey, <laughs> yeah," but that doesn't matter. That's, that's America. <laughs> Another topic, right? Yeah. So we were. I actually remember more than the pool how we got here. I remember this was a 1990-ish time. So I remember all of the kids piling up in the back of a pickup truck. Yes. Which we were all eating watermelon. Yes. And just taking a slow drive a quarter mile down the road right. to here. I remember that, and I don't remember actually swimming that much. Right. But I remember just the ride. And I look back and I, I look in our, I guess, community of how many of us are kind of still around. And it's kind of crazy. But again, that was nothing fancy. The right. truck that we rode in, I have no clue what it was. Right. It wasn't an $80,000 truck, I right. promise. Right. But it was memories. And right. that's the part of it. And I think that's great advice from you is what do you remember because kids, we all remember stuff different. My mm-hmm. brother remembers stuff different. Right, right. But it's still so much fun. So I just yes. want to point out, because I, when I walked in, I was like, that's Every, that first pool I ever swam right, in. Right, right. And I, I think that's a very, very good point you made as far as the truck analogy. Hmm. You know, that you know, you filed all the kids in a truck, at, and, you know, of course the parents did it safely. We, I mean, let's put this in perspective. We were in the truck. We need to, for our for the viewers, what are we from Art Comer's house? Like, I, I don't know. Like, even I was, a, uh, like, I, I'd have to think like what a thousand feet. Yeah. So if, if I had to guess, probably not even a quarter of a mile. Like okay, yeah. not even. Okay. See, I'm not very well, good. I don't really map. know. I mean, right. I, it's really close. It's yeah. just right up the road. Yeah. Um, and then we had the kids croquet tournament here in our backyard, but the truck was not what you remembered. No. You know, oftentimes we, we get so caught up and I was guilty. We, well, I was. I couldn't. I remember my first car. I mean, you. That was right. when you were 20. That was the the sign that you had made it was to right. get a new car, you know, and what kind of car you drove and different things like that. Now I've got a beat up 
on my RV trip, you know, a beat up 1999 minivan still sitting in my driveway. And it's not because it's an antique, it's because it's functional. (laughs) And so I think that's the key is when we think, oh, we don't have enough money to have kids or we don't have enough money to do this. It doesn't take money. It takes love. And that's that's the key component to um, families. It's not what you have. We we are. And when you come to our house, we are extremely blessed. I I I in no part deny that. Um, I, I my but my mom and dad built this house. You know, right. it's a big house, but they built it. Um, every rock we picked in the creek. You know, we spent oh, hours cool. doing it. it. It was truly a um, reflection of labor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Saying family labor. You know, right. that's those were the days when everybody would come in and help you put on your roof. You right. know what I'm saying? And that's why this house is so big and, you know, different things like that. It wasn't because. But it, um, but look how many years down the line. Yes. Memories. And five kids move in. Right. With you. And the house right. is not just big. It's functional. Right. And again, right it, it goes to show you that God has, God knows the plans before you get there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's amazing if you listen and watch. And we look at all the small stuff, and I'll never forget my my parents drove functional vehicles. Right. But that wasn't as cool as my friend's parents' vehicles. Right, right. I can't – I remember – and my mom and dad should have beat me way more than they did. Um, <laughs> Mine too. They, were, I was, <laughs> they did when they needed to, and I needed more. Right. Because I remember they were test driving a newer vehicle. And for some reason, as a child – that's how I felt like I belonged with my friend group as if my parents had the good stuff, oh. like, which I knew nothing. And so I remember they test drove like the, I'll never forget. It was a, a trailblazer. Cause those were cool oh, at the time, yeah, the I new trailblazer. And yes. I begged them, I begged them. I even slept in the dumb thing the <laughs> night that they test drove it to buy that. Cause I right. thought that that was a, it was Sign. a status quo symbol. It yep. was everything to me, and they didn't buy it, and I was so frustrated. And now me and Dave Ramsey hang out, so that was they did the right thing, and I right, was goofy. Right, But I was just – but it's so goofy, all the things that we put our trust or our identity in. Um, going on with the, <laughs> the, the next question with identity, you know – People do think you're so much stronger than everybody else. Like, right. I, and me too. I've I've been like, well, Kelly, she's extra strong no. because she can smile or, or do this, <laughs> or or you're superwoman, or maybe some people think that you're crazy. Uh, um, crazy would be a better crazy Kelly. I crazy guess crazy Kelly, crazy Kelly Kakamo, uh, the crazy Kakamos. I can't believe she would put her kids, take them out of school. What is she doing to their life? Yeah, a lot of people. I, I'll I'll be honest. My immediate family, they did not want me to go on this RV trip. Um, another reason that I feel like God um, put us on this path was I have been blessed with the best of the best family and friends, and I have an amazing village taking yeah. care of my children. But with that comes a lot of um, my kids get inundated. Yeah. You know, like they're, you know, they, <laughs> which is a good thing. It's, it's a double-edged sword because my kid probably can't, throw litter on the floor without somebody telling them to pick it up. I mean, I, I say that right. as a little analogy. I would tell them to pick right, it up. Right, right. I mean, everybody would tell them to pick that up. But when you surround yourself with 100 people and you throw it on the floor and 100 people are watching you throw that litter on the floor and 100 people tell you to pick it up, it's a little bit intimidating for children. And I think that we have to keep that in mind. Um, I, I'm all for you telling my right. kids to pick up the litter. 
but there's also a point in time where it's a little too much. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so my, you know, my family had helped me a ton. So they were like, how are you going to do this with five kids? I, I think what we forget is that kids grow up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody was thinking of my kids as the little kids that they were when Joe died, um, when dad passed away, but they had grown up and they literally, so everybody thought I was crazy. Yes. Everybody thought I was crazy. I did question it in yeah, my head. For safety. A second. Right. Well, and it's a safety issue too. Um, another thing that God majorly provided for us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I can have testimony on that. Those, those stories too. Another topic, another yeah. day. Uh, but yeah, we, um, everybody thought we were crazy. Yeah. So how do you, your love and, and pull from God was obviously stronger than what people could tell you. It was. And I don't know why. Again, uh, crazy Kelly, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what. You know, I look back on that and I think, wow, I really did that? Like, how did I make, how did I do that? Well, man, everything's like, this is a great, everything's clicking here. The other day, someone was telling me about one of their kids didn't act appropriate according to them. Mm-hmm but acted okay according to everyone else. And they, mm-hmm. they went ahead and pulled them from what they were doing and right. took care of it. Right. And everybody else thought they were crazy. Mm-hmm. And I guess for you listeners out there today, and, and really for us, do you care more about your team and how you're raising your family than the team that they may be a part of that everybody else thinks they're a part of? Oh, wow. You know what I mean? That is... That is a difficult, and, and again, another reason I think I had to have that reset and that time with my children to find out who they were, because sometimes we put them in so much that we really are so busy with them that we really don't know who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my kids are often in, in grieving single parents. Can Well, your dad, you know, my dad wouldn't have done it that way. I don't know how many times I heard that. And I said, well, your dad married me because we had the same values. And I think that's the key thing Amen. is that family values are the most important thing. And it's it's key to having a good, you know, I think your kids need to see that. The one thing that I, I um, grieve for my children is, is the fact that they don't get to grow up in a healthy marriage parent two-parent household because I hear I hear couples say so many times well you shouldn't do that in front of your kids if we don't do that in front of our kids our kids aren't going to know how to solve that problem Uh, you know so many times well kids don't need to see that or kids don't need to do that they do need to see that they do need to see that a couple can are you know arguing is not it but we're sinners you know, let's just be honest. Have confusions. Confusions. Okay, I like confusions <laughs> if we're going to be politically correct. But basically, I'm a hothead. We're Italian. My yeah. husband was Italian. So, you know, we could we could probably raise a rough a couple times um, for sure. I won't say that I threw dishes out the window one time, but I might have. So we'll just oh. go with that. Yeah. Uh, but what the kids saw was that mom and dad still loved each other, just like siblings. You know, you fight with your siblings and you hit them or whatever and – but the next day, you still love them. You know what I mean? And I think that's very healthy for children to see marriages make up. You know what I mean? And still love each other through the hard times. And so to close this podcast, I guess I'd ask, so how important is it for your kids to see you cry? Oh, definitely important. Because most people would say, well, don't, 
Don't let them see you cry. You have to be the strong one. You no, have to be. No. You have to be that. So they have to see you in your weakest. They have to see you that you're weak to know that you're real. Mm-hmm. And I don't think if we teach our kids the realness of life, I think we're selling them short. Mm-hmm. So many times, um, I, I'll go back to my fatherly, my dad's <laughs> advice. He was get tough. Yeah. Life's hard. You've got to be tough. And I remember thinking, oh, he's such a pessimist, you know. I mean, we had such a nucleus. We had a pool in our backyard, you know. Mom and dad were married. They've been married for almost 47 years now, you know, three kids. We had, you know. Right. I got married, had five kids. I mean, my siblings, you know, got married and had kids. And we were just the American dream, you know. And dad's like, life's tough. Get, you know, be ready. And he was right, you know. And um, I'm just thankful that I had a God's foundation to get me through it. So, Kids need that. They need that structure. They need that discipline. And just like we get, I got, I questioned God, why me? Kids will do the same thing, and they need to see that, and they need to see that you still love them, even during the hard times. I can't wait to be a grandparent and be my kid's friend, because right now I am a nag. (laughs) I don't even know if they like me. They're teenagers, too, so I know they don't like me right now, but... I'm not here for them to like me. I'm here that I'm here to be their teacher and their leader. And to be a hundred percent as real as possible with them because although they see you question or they've seen you maybe have hard times, cry. Mm-hmm. They've probably even heard you maybe not directly, but question still question God, why in the world Right. But still see you the next day in scripture and saying, God thank you. Yes. You know yes. so you they it's okay if your kids see you real in one way. Yep. As long as they see you real. The other trying way. Trying in every way. Right, right. I, 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 you know, I was trying to think of an example. One of the things, again, about the RV trip is my kids used to say, well, you know, so-and-so is helping me. Like, I was surrounded, you know. I think they really didn't think I could do it on my own. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm a very independent person. I think that is one of the reasons. Um, I'm very strong-headed, I guess. Um, independent woman and I wanted to make sure my kids knew that that they didn't need a hundred people around them to do something I wanted to teach them independence and when we went on that RV trip I tell you what everybody had a job my kids can unhook and hook up a car to the back of a class C camper a minivan and you know I, I think everybody's always flabbergasted I just I'm the um, leader, you know, I'm the foreman, I guess. Right. And these kids are doing it. These kids are setting up the, the water for the RV. They're taking the slides out. They're doing the work. And I think that teaches them just as much as anything that oh, they yeah. can see the fruits of their labor. So. Is that 2019 or is that 2018? How long ago was that? It was, um, it was, uh, uh 20, I think it was 2019 to no, 2018 to 2019. You're right. Because it was five years. Yeah, it was 2018 to 2019. And my point of all that is, sadly, we don't think kids, when we see kids working hard, it's almost like. Child labor. Yeah. They call it child labor. And I know that's struggles of other people that we've had, I've talked to. And that's not. You're you're letting them down. If they don't do, if they don't know how to do dishes, you're doing a disservice to the community. I always say, you know, my kids better leave something better than they found it. Yeah. And I think we're doing a disservice to these kids by doing too much for them. Yeah. We're doing it's, way too much. It's okay to let, have, not even just let them. Right. Sometimes make them 
do things they don't want to do. Right. I don't keep my kids' soccer schedule. I don't keep my kids' social calendar. I don't keep their practices. If they're not old enough to figure out when they are, I I don't have time. I mean, it's five kids. And and also, I don't want them to think. It was interesting. I told my kid the other day, I said, "I, I don't go to every soccer game. I'm not that soccer fan mom because I'm not worried about what they are in the soccer. I'm worried about how they are at home. Yeah. And so I believe that my job is at the house. They can go play soccer. I love it that my son plays soccer and that wants to play soccer. And I do want to go watch him every once in a while. Right. Um, but am I going to travel with all of my kids to every single away game? I don't think they need that. They're, I told, I, It's what I told him. I said, Drew, you love soccer. That's great. You've got soccer. And I enjoy watching you every once in a while. I said, but you have your thing and I have my thing. Mm-hmm. And my thing right now is my home. Your thing right now is soccer. And I will do my best to make it happen for you, but it doesn't mean I have to be right there with you. Yeah, and that's another stance that people don't take too often, but right. it's so strong because are you making the important things um, the important things? And, uh, you know, and your home is one of those, um, and I guess as we close, um, I know you have more. Oh, I'm sorry. To give. I know no, I talk, talk, no, 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 this is good because I, I can see another one. Uh, coming, but I guess part two. Oh yeah, part two, probably three, four, and five. <laughs> um, because people do, they look forward to. It's almost like you get to know someone when right. you listen to their story, like right. you listen to Miss Betty. And, and I don't feel like it, they heard my whole story right. either. I, I don't mean that to be selfish. It's just a forty forty eight right. minute glimpse of of stuff. But what you've had to understand, and what we all need to understand, quote unquote but we all have to as well, is that Jesus is more, um, Jesus is more than even your kids, Jesus is more than your spouse, Jesus is more than your mom and dad, Jesus is more than your house, your RV, or the nicest pool, or the worst truck. Amen. So just remember that Jesus does offer more. That's my ultimate, I guess, if people are like, well, how do I, how do I get my kids to actually follow God when they're out of the house? And you can't. You can't choose anything for your kids. You can do your best. But to me, the best way I see it, and I see you doing it, and I see many of my friends doing it, and I look up to you guys, is do they see in your life that exactly. Jesus is more? Exactly. Because if they don't see that, they'll have to find it somewhere else. Right. And, that right. may, and again, they are still going to choose if they want right. Jesus Right, right. I don't think we can – we definitely can't uh, throw it down their – Right. Throats, shove it down their throats. You know, they always talked about the pastor's kid. No offense. Pastor oh, no, here we go. <laughs> That's definitely, you know, been talked about. But, you know, going back to that scenario is I remember just, you know, sometimes my kids would just say the most I'd be like, oh, that's so inspirational. You're going to be such a great speaker. Or you're going to be such a great pastor. And we put all these like labels on our kids and we can't label them. We have to. We are here to get, set the rules and the boundaries and be the foreman of the project. We are not here to boo the Pinterest, you know, craft on the fridge because the, the <laughs> fridge, will, that'll be thrown away and long gone and, and forgotten. But instilling scripture in your life and saying that you don't understand and that um, you rely on God, it, there's nothing more powerful. It's just that, you know, I am awful. I I talk about things more than I pray about things. And I heard that one time and I told my kids, I said, man, we talk about that a lot if we prayed about it. 
Right. You know, I, I think little things, and it's not that I used to think all oh, these pastors' families. And I, I will be honest, before I matured, I would be like, oh, they must be perfect behind closed doors. You know, like they have the perfect little, you know, in my naive when I wanted the new car and I wanted the pastor's life and I wanted this perfect nuclear family. And I think as Christians, we have to realize that even the pastor's family or just other Christians that we look up to all have their issues. We're all sinners. Oh, and yeah. I think that's the biggest thing you find in um, Christian maturity is that I'm not going to say the right thing to you. Um, I'm not going to do the right thing, but um, as long as I, you know, pray more than I talk about it for my kids, then it's, you know, my kids have heard me go hothead and tell them that I'm sorry, and I still love Jesus. <laughs> but right my, now I'm struggling with right, you. Right. I, I, have a, I have one child that's very vocal about my um, parenting style, very vocal, tells me all the time what kind of parent I am and I always laugh because I'm like they're like well <laughs> I remember one time I, I had a really meltdown moment and they were like you teach a one on Wednesday nights and you and you're acting that way <laughs> yeah I, yeah that's and that is tough right uh, it's kind of like when you're growing up and your parent is yelling at you right because you deserved it and then they answer the phone and like, oh, hello, how are right. you? And I'm like, no, that is not you. You put that phone back down and you answer it the way you're talking to right. me. I remember when mom and dad were like upset, I would like pray that somebody come to the door because, yeah. you know, you'd be like, oh, then they'll get, you know, everybody will be happy again. And it's true. I mean, it's, I mean, that's just the way they are. And I tell them that, too, because they're like, well, you know, you're always happy around your friends. I said, well, you're always happy around your friends. Right. I mean, let's be Does honest. Let's make a let's difference. Be real. The kid's not, you know back talking me when their friends are around they're being really nice <laughs> which praise god for that because right, there could be right. the opposite but uh well kelly thanks for this and uh you know yeah i know there's not i can't even sum this up there are so many good things oh, uh, um but again you, you try yes. you keep going and, and and jesus is more so exactly. so have a blessed week everyone for joining us on our podcast today make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes and if you know anyone else that could use some encouragement we'd love if you would share it with them we're all in this together so until next time my friends on courage meant to go